welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the REC podcast as we navigate our way through these unprecedented times in the light of the COVID-19 outbreak and its effects on our economy. This is the latest edition of a series where we're looking at all sorts of issues including leadership for your business uh, during this time, some of the impacts on clients, uh, certainly a really good one coming up on that and some future focus with some guests lined up for a future episode who, will, as we begin to talk about what the social contract and the, the changes we'll expect to see coming out of this are. But for today, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Rain Newton-Smith, the Chief Economist of the CBI, to the podcast. Rain, hello and welcome to the REC pod. Delighted to be here. Thanks a lot, Neil. And today we're really going to focus on some of the uh, macroeconomic cross-economy trends that we're seeing. And uh, uh this it's fair to say this is a pretty unique recession, Rain, in terms of it being one that we've uh, in many ways brought on ourselves by turning the economy off to help uh, the country deal with this health emergency. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it's it's something economists have thought about in in the past. I mean, uh, we've had global uh, pandemics uh, before, but I think nothing on this scale and nothing that has you know, touch so many countries and so many economies at at the same time. And, you know, it's, you know, first and foremost, uh, a health crisis, but it's very rapidly, partly because of the necessary things we've had to do to protect the health of the nation. It's really affected economies around the world. So I think, you know, at the moment, over 70% of the global economy is in some form of, of lockdown. Now, we're, we are starting to emerge from that, and I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to discuss that. But I think, you know, that's why so many countries are, are grappling with this at the moment. And we've seen so many unprecedented things uh, that I never thought I would see in, in my lifetime. So we've seen negative oil prices uh, in the US um, over a week ago. So around the sort of 24th of, of April, we saw oil prices go negative there. Uh, we've seen huge volatility in financial markets, but uh, I don't think there's been any business or any sector uh, in the UK or pretty much around the world that hasn't been, you know, touched by this crisis in, in one, uh, you know, form or, or another. And that that really is you know, un- unprecedented. And we, and we can maybe go on to discuss a little bit about what forecasters are thinking about uh, what may happen uh, from here. But I just think it, it truly is un- unprecedented. And I think as you look at some of the data that we've seen just uh, in the tail end of April, if you look at the uh, the Purchasing Managers Index, which is the way we see we measure economic activity in the with the kind of shortest lag to it actually taking place, the uh, the numbers that we've seen both across services and manufacturing are close to record lows, but it's not the case that nothing is happening in the economy. The the uh, the squeeze is uh, on economic activity is very is very great, but there is still activity going on. Certainly in our own world in recruitment, we're aware that there's been a substantial fall in new post uh, new jobs being posted, but that the level of that fall differentiates quite widely. I was talking to chief execs of our largest members a few days ago, and they were saying that while permanent recruitment activity is down maybe about eighty. 
temporary recruitment activities down about 40 percent so you know while it's very easy to get obsessed in the headline on the headline uh, figure it's worth remembering that these are while they're very substantial trends are tra- are trends in an economy that hasn't been totally switched off no, and, and, and I think we, we can see that uh, in the data. And sometimes when you look at some of the forecasts that are out there, they can they can feel pretty terrifying. So you, you had the Office for Budget Responsibility, uh, you know, for it, they did a scenario essentially where they were assuming the, the lockdown uh, continue over the course of this quarter. Uh, and they expect to see activity in Q2 shrink by about 35%. Uh, so that gives you a set, you know, that, that says the majority of the economy is still able to produce. Things are happening, but but obviously, you know, to shrink by that size is, is truly unprecedented. But I think the important thing to remember is, you know, even in that scenario, they had a recovery happening over the second half. Uh, of this year. So I would say from what we're seeing from our surveys, from the businesses we are talking to, it does feel about right that about 40% of businesses are, are have pretty much been able, uh, had to shut their doors, whether they're a hotel or, you know, some of the non-essential retailers or some of the manufacturers who uh, supply into, into those businesses or, or just businesses that haven't been able to set up working from home in the way that some of the digital or professional services businesses uh, have been able to. But I think we will see that that recovery. And of course, everyone's sort of debating as to what that recovery will look like. And I think it, it really is a huge unknown. But I think, to my mind, what we're seeing is I don't think we'll see a V-shaped. I don't think we're suddenly going to bounce back uh, from this, that we sort of flick a switch. And, uh, you know, once we come out of, of lockdown, everything sort of opens up and we're sort of back to where we were. I think everyone's understanding that we're coming into a, what will be a new normal. Um, and I think the transition back to that um uh, will be. I, I don't think it'll be. It's not. It won't be the sort of the quite slow recovery we saw after the global financial crisis. I think as we open up, it will happen more quickly. I like to think of it not in terms of a letter. It's maybe more a, of a Nike swoosh. Uh, I'm sure other trainers are available, but uh, hopefully you get my sense of, of. I think we will see a dip. I think it will last uh, for a few quarters, but I think we will then. Uh, see a recovery from that. And and when that recovery comes, I think we will be, you know, in some ways, pleasantly surprised at, at how vibrant some of the economy is able to be and how us as businesses and business leaders are able to adjust to circumstances we'd never thought we'd have to deal with. So, you know, thinking about, so you know, social distancing within the workforce, the workplace, how we might, you know, have to, when we're traveling on public transport, as they do in, in Asia at the moment, be wearing uh, some form of, of face mask uh, just to, to help uh, stem the, uh, you know, the spread of uh, infection. And actually, that was one encouraging conversation I had uh, at the weekend was just with a fellow business leader in, in Asia who was in China who said, look, you know, life in, in China, it's not totally back to normal, but for 80% of what they're doing, it does feel uh, normal. And, and um, in some ways, they're only a few weeks uh, ahead of us. So that's maybe some of what you're starting to pick up from your members who are much closer to recruitment when businesses are, aren't looking just to what is happening now they're thinking to sort of six weeks ahead what's the world going to look like then 
I think that's really great insight. It does pick up on a couple of things. If you, uh, if listeners haven't picked up on uh, the last episode of the podcast with Hong Lee, Hong uh, and I were discussing about you know what could and should business owners be doing now. Uh, now you largely we've been through the process of uh, kind of getting the cash flow under control, giving businesses runway, thinking about furlough and, uh, and so forth. And and Hung, I think absolutely rightly, was very focused on getting close to clients and understanding how client businesses will react to this. So I think there'll be a big agenda inside the business community as a whole about how do we get our business the right shape to enjoy that recovery and make the most of it. One recruitment business leader I was talking to last week called it the tick rather than the V. And I think that's probably a good way of looking at it. I agree with you that the things that are likely to be robust, I think that first night back in the pub is going to deliver a significant economic stimulus. Um, well, I think we can see that on the beginning coming onto the horizon now. There's a lot to do to get there and at the moment we're still in this space where we're navigating our way across country to get there and one of the big aspects of that is kind of the scale of state support that's been put in place around uh, from our treasury which is traditionally very very resistant to a large-scale intervention in the economy like this. Um, if you think about the furlough scheme, say CGRS, you think about C-bills, uh, the loan scheme. Now, plenty of REC members who are listening will be having their own trouble with details of those schemes at the moment, but they're certainly accelerating in delivery. Before we move on to the kind of future path, just tell us a little bit, Rain, about some of your and Carolyn Fairbairn at the CBI's experiences with the Treasury and kind of bringing all all that uh, to bear, because I think it's fair to say there's been a unique and unprecedented cooperation both amongst the business organisations and between the business organisations and the TUC and the trade unions on getting get, getting this right. And of course, uh, you and Carolyn at the CBI have been in the cockpit of that. So what were your reflections on, on that process of the first couple of weeks be uh, from the distance of the, a month now? Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's nothing like a, a crisis, I think, to, to bring everyone uh, together. And I think what's been absolutely amazing has been just, I, I mean, I'd, I'd probably start by saying, you know, the phenomenal pace at which some of the civil servants across Treasury and uh, HMRC have been uh, working has just been phenomenal. And I, and I think, very early on, everyone identified the importance of protecting jobs as being a really unifying uh, factor. And that was something we passionately believed in, you know, working with you, working with other trade associations. I think everyone knew that there were sort of two things that were vital about how we could get through this uh, crisis once we'd, you know, understandably focused on the health. One was how we could could protect as many jobs as we go through the crisis. And the second bit was about how we protect businesses. And I think as someone at HMRC sort of said that, you know, they'd never seen their their teams working so well because everyone was just focused on that one goal of how can we get the job retention scheme up and running? How can we find a mechanism which didn't exist in the UK before? Other countries had it, Germany, other countries had a mechanism of uh, helping businesses to support jobs directly, but the UK didn't have any pre-existing mechanism. So we had to literally sort of build that overnight. 
And I think it was, you know, HMRC really knew that to make it work well, they would need to know in, in real time what was some of the guidance, what were some of the issues businesses were having. Uh, and they've had a really open ear to uh, those issues. So we've been compiling questions, you know, through our trade associations, through our public webinars, through our, our sort of open inbox, compiling them not just from our members, but also from the wider public and wider businesses. And that's been and then we've been able to use all that information and go back to the Treasury, go back to HMRC in, in real time and say, you know, you need to clarify this question about holiday pay. You need to think about uh, how it interacts with national insurance and, and all these sorts of, of questions. So I think it really has been so important how teams have just been working together uh, on the ground. And that's really happened uh, at all levels. And I think it, it is, you know, that it. it you know, this phrase, you know, that the Chancellor is prepared to do whatever it takes. I, you know, there's a lot of, of heart and genuineness uh, behind that and really trying uh, to deliver. Of course, we have to think about what's affordable uh, for the country, any scheme that we put in place now, you know, it does need to be funded over, over the long term. I think we all know there's going to be higher government debt. We're very fortunate that interest rates are are low, which makes those higher levels of, of government debt serviceable. But we still need to think about, you know, having the resources to, to fund our public services uh, going forward. But what I think has been phenomenal is just how everyone's been really focused on on just trying to get these measures in place, make them work effectively and, and just be open to how they can be improved. I think that's absolutely right. And uh, well done for playing to your off, uh, your audience and throwing in a mention of holiday pay and CJRS there. Yeah. Very, very impressed. Um, and that, that, that's a lot of what certainly I and colleagues at the REC have been doing talking to our members is just reminding them that a lot of this uh, intervention came from a standing start only just over a month ago. So the, you know, CBILS version one didn't really work. That's largely because it was a, an off the shelf replication of another product. As CBILS has moved on, it's become easier to deal with. Still probably not quite where it, where it needs to be, but making progress week on week. Uh, and the same is to do with uh, the job retention scheme where increasingly we find ourselves dealing with HMRC on recruitment specific concerns yeah. rather than fundamentals of the of the design and I think everyone was impressed by the quality of the portal when it opened last week and the the amount of work that HMRC had got had put in place to to get it right so um as a good macroeconomist and a, and a, a leader of one of the finest forecast teams in business, and uh, if in doubt, forecast often, as uh, yeah. members of that team have said to me uh, on occasion, we're sitting here today, we've talked about the concept of the Nike swoosh or the tech recovery. To what extent do you think that everything that we're seeing that we'll see in that recovery is just going to be an amplification and, a, and an acceleration of some trends we already knew about? Or do you think that there might be some fundamental economic changes that flow from this? I think we will see some fundamental economic changes from this. And, and, and I think it's probably more about how it changes us as a society. And I, I think what stands out even perhaps from the global financial crisis, is, is just how much this has touched everyone's life in some way, shape or form. I think, you know, look, the global financial crisis started 
in the banks. It started in the financial system and then it sort of rippled out into the real economy. But this has almost started with a sort of health crisis uh, that has then, you know, rippled through every single sector. So I think maybe I'll pick up some of the long term trends that will be really interesting to see how it plays out and, and then maybe come back to some of the, the shorter term issues. So I think for me, the really long term ones are how does this impact on flexibility and, and working from home? And I think over the near term for, you know, it's possible given the pressures there may be on our transport system and uh, the return to work that where it's easy for businesses to do it, I think you'll see much more take up of, of working from home. The other thing is just, you know, we're all human beings. We've started doing it. I'm not saying uh, it's perfect and it's probably uh, for you, Neil, and, and for me and for any other, uh, so many other working parents. It's very different when you're working from home and your children are also working from home, uh, not being at school or, or nurseries. But I think once schools return and some of that childcare provision, I think what you'll see a lot of working parents realise is where they have the flexibility actually working from home has made life easier uh, for them in some ways and that actually they can do so much of their work uh, from a home uh, environment where it's where they're able to do so and I think that will change you know we've certainly had some businesses who came to us and said at the beginning actually if there are some positives from this they were finding it challenging to get some of their managers to think about how having more flexibility to work from home could work for their type of business but this has been a proof of concept, I think, for some businesses. So it'd be interesting to see how that changes, um, you know, across different businesses and across different sectors. And of course, that is much easier for some of the business and professional services uh, than if you're working in construction or, or manufacturing. The second bit is is really about uh, the environment and uh, you know, what happens in the whole sort of move to a low carbon uh, economy. I don't think anyone would want to see the sort of brutal transition we've seen from uh, everyone flying and traveling uh, around uh, and using their cars at will uh, to what we have now when it's, uh, you know, they, we've had planes have had to be uh, grounded. But I think it's made people realize the impact that can have on clean air, on uh, the environment. And so, of course, what we want is a transition to more renewable energy. But I think it will make people think differently about some of our policies around that. And, you know, as an economist, I would say when oil prices are very low, as they are now, and that's really been because demand has just fallen through the floor, it can be an opportunity to rethink around a, a sort of carbon price. It's often the easiest time to, to start trying to think about how you put a carbon price that reflects some of the externalities of oil and, and other things. Of course, you have to do that while helping um, industries who need uh, that as an input to their production. But I think the environment uh, and how that plays out will be, you know, the second long-term trend. The third one that I think people are only just starting to think about is, of course, what does it mean about, you know, the whole intergenerational aspect? What does it mean for, you know, working lives? We're all living longer. We're all working longer. Um, but obviously, this pandemic has been, you know, much, uh, much more limiting for older workers. And, and but I think people recognize we also need to find a way for older workers to be able to return uh, to work. And 
you know, the, it, I think it will underpin some of the tensions with a younger generation, the younger millennials who might you know, carry some of the scars. If we don't get the recovery right here, as we know, it's often the younger generation who are coming into the jobs market um, when unemployment is high, who who sort of carry some of the scars from that in their lifetime earnings. Um, and so I think some of the challenges that were there before in the UK between how different generations were experiencing wealth and income might well get sort of exacerbated by uh, what we're seeing uh, play out now. Well, that's fascinating, Rain, and I, th- I think we've we we certainly see that playing out in in our sector. If you think about what it means to be a manager of a recruitment desk, when you know, kind of tradi- very traditional ways of running those desks, being able to see your people, being able to count the calls, um, are maybe less important than a, the, uh, to their engagement and productivity than than some other uh, approaches to to management, especially if we are moving to a world where full time in many uh, uh, services industries perhaps means being in the office three days out of five uh, rather than five out of five and working from home the other two. Big challenges to management there, big challenges to how we do business in terms of the travel and client um, points. And that last piece around wealth and intergenerational um, equity, I think is really fascinating because it links so completely to the, to the, the, uh, review of the tax system you hinted at before, mm-hmm. where I do think there's going to be a big debate after this about uh, both tax and the social contract. Certainly something we're thinking about here at uh, the REC is, um, you know, how do we set out the the role and value of the staffing industry in that new world? Um, you know, we talk a lot about uh, the REC helping to make great work happen, and that's driven by the idea that the industry is delivering a public good, not just carrying out an economic activity. And I think we're going to have to work harder for members to explain and enhance that in the public square once we're through this. Mm. Thank you very much for joining us today, Rain. It's been great to uh, to hear your voice as a, a, mm-hmm. as a former colleague, but also to to chat through some of these big issues. Um, if you had one thought to leave uh, REC members at the end of the pod, what would it be? I think for me, it, it's... It... I guess just picking up on what you were saying there, Neil, it's it's the value and importance all of you will have as, as we start to come out of this recovery and, and, and from this crisis. Because I think one of the things we, we know is this is going to change the world of work. It's going to change our economies. Um, you know, it, it has done dramatically in the short term, but it will over, over the long term. And and how we make, how people move from from industries that are growing to industries that are maybe going to find that, that transition more difficult becomes even more important. And how we match people who want to work, who are willing to work, who has skills to offer um, to the jobs that are being created out there. I think that matching function becomes even more important at times of crisis and and recovery. So, you know, I I wouldn't understate the role that you will all play as as we come out of that. And of course, providing that intelligence on what you're seeing on the ground uh, back to us so that we can make sure that we're getting the policy right and, and that we're how things are playing out in the macro economy is is really supporting what you're seeing on the ground. 
Here, here. And thank you very much, Rain, for joining us on today's episode of the uh, the podcast. Join us again soon for another episode of the REC pod. You can find all our previous episodes online on the REC website or your favourite source of podcasts. And I'll look forward to speaking to you again then. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode helpful. Head to our COVID-19 hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.